welcome into another episode of Turn the Corner, a Detroit Tigers podcast. I'm Kieran Stuckley. With me, as always, is a man who has proof that Detroit can make it to the postseason. He is Cody Stavenhagen. How you doing? <laughs> doing good, Kieran. I am reporting from St. Petersburg, Florida, uh, doing a little Texas Rangers coverage this postseason. So not leaving the Tigers beat or anything, but I'm excited to cover some meaningful baseball games. Uh, the term meaningful, did that get to the residents of Florida or nah? It didn't seem like it was pretty sparse. Uh, yeah, that's, that's another fun one. You know, you dream of like growing up, like, like covering baseball, being a baseball writer. My first season, I covered a team that lost 114 games. (laughs) So I was like, oh, all right, well, you know, you dream of covering the postseason. You you do that and you cover, you know, it's not an October cold October night at uh, Fenway or Yankee Stadium. It's Tropicana Field, the least attended postseason game since 1919, which is mind-blowing to even think about. Uh, it definitely wasn't that loud, but I thought it was a good ball game, so I, I, I'm not going to complain too much, but yeah, that's the state of things. And that's also why the pod is not coming out on Monday. It had a ton going on the past two days. So Yeah, you know, and... Uh... I appreciate a little a little Sunday, uh, I want to say off, but like a Sunday a little bit more relaxation, And but I was also excited to talk about the events this weekend, but before we get into that, uh, just a weird day for Tigers and Tigers-related stuff. Some good, some just had me just puzzled. So Robbie Grossman is batting third for the Texas Rangers uh, <laughs> <laughs> to open, uh, open the playoffs. And uh, at, at Tarek Skubal is named American League Pitcher of the Month. I, I put week on – I meant to put month on Twitter, but I, I don't pay, so I can't edit. Uh, so I just kind of left it there. And Michael Lorenzen, not on the roster uh, for the Philadelphia Phillies, at least for, mm. for this round. So uh, interesting little Tiger tidbits all around, and we'll get into some uh, other stuff. That's who was hitting fourth for the Tampa Bay Rays. Well, I mean, that wasn't that that didn't surprise me. I mean, it hurt me emotionally, but uh, yeah, but, yeah. but, <laughs> but I, I did also get a kick out of the fact when they showed the graphic that Paredes has all of his home runs are to the pole side, every single one. Yeah. That was it's, that was a lot of fun to it's uh, mesmerizing, <laughs> a lot of fun to see. Uh, all right, so to the Tigers, to a weekend that was that will always be recalled for as long as people are talking about the Tigers. We're going to talk about the last season and specifically the last weekend, the Gracias Miggy weekend. Miguel Cabrera exit stage left on one of the greatest careers of any player ever, one of the greatest, if not the greatest, right-handed hitter ever and one of the more interesting guys personalities like people to kind of gauge like their their impact on the game and there's so many layers to it you wrote about it this week Cody but before we kind of dive in just your experience you obviously are a baseball historian you're a a lover of the game you appreciate history as much as anybody this weekend, getting to see this, you're never, I, mean, I don't want to say never, but more than likely never going to be in the, the day-to-day beat of something like this, one of the greatest players of all time, going off into the sunset, and you were there for every moment. So just kind of be like your impressions of the weekend, uh, first off. Yeah, like I, I feel like I had a lot of thoughts going through my head 
all weekend. Um, in some ways, it was weird. In some ways, it was a little difficult for me because the last seven years and the last five years, I've been around Miguel Cabrera. I have been a little bit of a long farewell. I think that for those of us who are deep in it and who are around Miguel and you don't really know if he's going to be in a good mood and crack jokes, but sometimes he does and it's hilarious. Or if he's in a bad mood and he's like, please go away from me. You know, it's not the easiest guy to cover. That's just a fact. Um, and then there was, there was just a lot going on, but then the end takeaway from the weekend is like, Oh my gosh, that was amazing. And I chalked that up all to him going in at first base and getting that ground ball. And the crowd reaction was amazing. And the gals reaction was amazing. And, Having his kids come out on the field was was amazing, and the team was so fired up. And finally, it became organic and authentic. And it, it you know, we saw emotion from Miguel. Um, he talked with a lot of grace after the game. He was a little bit emotional, but he was also very like, "Hey, I had 21 years in the big leagues. I thank God for that. You know, it's it's time to move on." Is more or less what he said. And I think all that made it – suddenly it hit me, uh, probably like it hit a lot of Tigers fans out there who were probably emotional for the whole three days, people who have watched Miguel since they were children, who had his jersey, things like that. Um, the, the end takeaway from the weekend definitely made anyone and everyone uh, feel good, and that was the thing that I, I tried to appreciate the whole time. It's like this is the final game of, of um, an all-time great. This is something – Everyone can say I was at Miguel Cabrera's last game, and and that's that's something cool to say for those who were in attendance. Yeah, so one of it's important to know like what you are good at, what your strengths are, what your weaknesses are, and one of my weaknesses is, and I, honestly, this is definitely reflected in a lot of our podcasts, is that I struggle with just kind of going along with the cliche. Like, if that makes sense. Even my mm -hmm. social media, I don't do... I do it occasionally, like, you know, the times I got wedding, you know, I got married, you know, post from the wedding, you know, all that stuff, got engaged, like... Freaking loser, yeah. this guy enjoyed his <laughs> wedding. Even, like, <laughs> even when I, like, press send, I'm like, God, it's so cliche, you know what I mean? I just get a little, like, <laughs> eh, about it, you know? And, and I think you're pretty similar in that aspect, too. And, like, there was a lot of cliche with this weekend, so I don't want people to think that like if we kind of look at things a certain way it's not it's not a lack of appreciation for the talent or, or right, like all these right. things that we all know we all acknowledge but we're not going to spend 25 minutes here breaking down like how great of a player he was and 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 it's part of the story to talk about the struggles but we're not going to like overwhelm it with that like i have my miggy memories like i remember oh like i don't do this now but as a teenager going to the old ballpark, getting there as soon as the gates open to catch BP. Because I wanted to see Miguel Cabrera catch BP. I remember sitting almost at the top of the foul pole in right field, again, at the old ballpark in Arlington, and uh, chatting with another Tigers fan. He said he would pay my college tuition if Miguel Cabrera hit a ball up there, which, of course, would, would never happen. <laughs> but, I, but, you know, it could happen, you know, in the, in the back of my mind, you know. And the first pitch this year at the home opener uh, was an amazing experience as well as going to a game with my father this year had seats right behind the, the, the uh, visitor side uh, on deck circles. I mean, to be that, and he appreciated it so much. That's a special memory for me. I have my Miggy memories. I didn't necessarily require like so much of the hoopla that came into the weekend, but I understand 
like I said, I'm not anti-cliche. I understand why they happen and what the purpose of them are, right? Uh, I'll be honest with you. When they did the card stunt, I was watching the game with my wife, and I was like, oh, God, I hope this works. Uh, like, <laughs> I, was, I was like, is this what? Because they're like the instructions over the PA were very apparent. They were like, all right, get ready, do it. And, and, and it turned out to look great. You know, you got the 24 balls and you have the, the shoe, the, the cleats, I should say. And, you know, the, the family being involved and all that stuff's great. Um, but I, I did want to tee you up here for a second, Cody. So we before we get into some of the other stuff with it, because I agree with you about the first base play. And I have a couple observations from that moment. But we're almost 10 minutes into this thing. We can't delay it any longer. Uh, you said tiger's twitter on fire with a i'll just i'll just i'll call it a zag i'll call it a little bit of a contrarian take about the whole weekend and i believe this was prior to the first base thing correct me if i'm wrong on this no it was right okay, after right the after the first space thing, thing. so that okay see I, I think people didn't even read this entire tweet <laughs> that's that's why i think it upset some people i don't okay, know so people were like we don't want to hear it, cody like so just i i just give you the floor to well, we're gonna we're gonna have to read the tweet so we get the full we get the full thing here. Always read the full thing. Always go beyond the headline. These are important life lessons. All right. So here it was. I tweeted. Uh, this was shortly after the grounder to first, and and everyone comes out in the field. And I tweeted. I thought some things about Miguel Cabrera's final weekend felt overproduced, but the grounder to first and the final send off was organic and perfect damn so what i intended to do was compliment the uh the, the final play and how great of a moment it was i did include the first part because that is how i felt and i'm not afraid to defend that uh there was a lot going on all weekend all week the tigers do a pretty good job with big events i think everything was well done done in a classy way there was a high production value i also thought it was overkill I think it had become very commercialized. Like we had a pop-up Arepa shop, uh, Arepa shop across from Comerica Park. We were giving away two posters and a T-shirt, and oh, please buy this bat. But part of the foundation, uh, the proceeds will go to his foundation. It was a three-day celebration that probably could have been a one-day celebration. And it's not because Miguel doesn't deserve it. It's not because he doesn't deserve to be honored. Yes, of course he does. He's one of three guys with 500, 3,000, and a lifetime 300 batting average. The guy should be praised. I think I read like only 9,000 people were at Al K-Line's last game. Like, if that's right, well, like, like, what were those people doing? Yeah, I know the less. weather was terrible less. or whatever, but like, I would have gone to Al K-Line's last game, you know? Like, that, that's amazing. Um, so I'm not trying to knock it. I'm just going to say I thought it became overproduced and certain elements of the weekend where – a little bit forced, like how many of these videos are we going to watch that say Miguel was good at baseball? How many different speakers are we going to have say the same thing? Part of it, I think, does include, okay, we're overlooking how bad the contract was. We're overlooking some of Miguel's flaws as a human being. No one's really up there vouching for uh, his character. Like he's a great player. Yeah, he has a foundation that's helpful. But even then... I don't think Miguel is revered quite the same way like David Ortiz was in Boston. Like, I think 
part of the celebration was less about Miguel and more, it, it was a chance for Tigers fans to tap into their memories that involve Miguel. And that's all fine. And that's all great. And like I said, the way it ended, which was the one thing you couldn't script, man, the grounder to first Miguel's reaction. Uh, that was awesome. That was appropriate. I loved it. I was so glad. I was honored to be a part of it. Shook Miguel's hand afterwards. Said, said thank you. It was an honor getting to cover you. Um, other parts of it, like, were a little bit forced. That's how I felt. Okay, so, okay, so, okay. But to that point, I think it kind of wraps in with my cliche thing. Like, I... That's all good and, and well with the posters and, the, you know, all this stuff. Uh, but the best part was all just the baseball. The right. best part was just the baseball. That, like, that – and that's, like, the – that and that's, a, like you said, the thing you can't script, the thing that everybody's going to remember. The Dan Dickerson call of it was amazing. Uh, Miguel talking about it. The the fact that he had to borrow Spencer Torkelson's glove is, is, is a real cherished part of it, especially if Torkelson goes on to be – any semblance of the player that uh, he was drafted to be, I would say. Uh, all the stuff that's between the lines is what made it special. And in regards to the Cabrera legacy, because I want to piggyback on, on that for a second, because you talked about Ortiz, Jeter. I look for simple analysis, simple truths, simple ways to explain things. And I think part of it is no World Series win. I I I think, and if you and you mentioned those two guys, multiple World Series in their cases, correct? And I it got me thinking. I was like, what's Mike Trout's gonna be like? Because I feel like at this trajectory, it like there's like is it there's know. probably gonna be like a little bit of similar. There's also like some. I don't want to say coastal elites stuff, but just like more high profile franchise elements to the Jeter. Yeah, the Angels have, like, a weird fan base, though, and sports is, like, we, we could do 20 minutes on, like, Mike Trout. That's a whole other thing, so I'm not going to get too deep into it. I don't think it will be, like, even, I think it will be even less than Miguel Cabrera, actually. Yeah. And I, I don't think it should be, but I, I think it will be. gets you to another level. I know he won a World Series, but, like, he's going to be known as a Tiger, and he did not win a World Series. I would argue that David Ortiz, speaking of, basically robbed him of a world series and and mm -hmm. i still think about mm -hmm. that to this day <laughs> to uh to be honest <laughs> and and i think it's kind of that simple should that detract as much as it does perhaps not but that's sports you know and 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 that's also part of the beauty of sports is that not everybody you know not everybody gets to be on top not everybody gets the storybook ending and for cabrera while you wouldn't call it storybook I don't think, for this year specifically, I'm going to just talk about this year specifically because everything else is well established. For this year specifically, I don't think he limped to the finish line. Uh, I, 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 you talk about everything that happened on Sunday. Earlier in the series, he hits a classic Miguel Cabrera home run, line drive right field, just like he, even in the last game, he does the point to first base. Like, he, he was Miggy the whole way. And that and, and that is something I uh, I appreciate and, and and think is great. But I just think, in a revered sports town like Detroit, that's the one thing that will, would keep him from being a Steve Eiserman, to keep him from being a Ben Wallace, 
You know, keep yeah. him from being if the Lions ever won a Super Bowl, you think that that quarterback's ever buying a drink in town again, right? Uh, to keep to keep him from being even an Al K well, line. Al K line would be revered if they didn't win in '68, but that matters that they won in '68. You know, Alan Trammell, does he even get in the Hall of Fame if they don't win in '84? I think it uh, probably not. So like that not. that uh, maybe it's unfortunate because he is clearly the second best Tiger of all time behind Ty Cobb in terms of just the raw numbers, but he's not He's probably still going to be third in a lot of people's minds. Yeah. Third, third, third or fourth. And, and that in one way, this has always perplexed me with Miguel again, one of three guys to do something like that's amazing. 500, 3000, a true all time. Great, great, great. Why is he not more popular? And the world series thing you bring up, I didn't even think of it. I think that probably says a lot. And then outside of Detroit, like how much does it have to do with like baseball's lack of marketing? How much is it Miguel's personality? Maybe even English being a second language. Like, do we, do we not treat people fairly because of that? I don't know, but I've always just been like, you know, you can talk to some casual sports fans in Texas and they'll be like, Oh yeah. I like sort of know who Miguel Cabrera is. It's like, no, this guy should be a household name. And I, I don't think he is. And I don't, even when he's winning the Triple Crown, I don't think he really ever has been. And I've never quite been able to put my finger on why. I think it's probably a combination of things. Some of it probably ties into Miguel's like personality. But then I'm like, well, but the on the field, the Miguel people see on TV, is actually a pretty great personality because he, he smiles and he has fun and he he, he chats and he pulls pranks and like he he's a fun player to watch in that regard um and so even even this weekend like it was a it was a huge deal it was the thing in detroit nationally it didn't really get that much play so i think strange. there's an element here and if you if you read the quotes from former teammates opponents you know hall of famers of yesteryear that talk about them it's not like anything they say is all that like sexy. If that makes sense, like it's just like, like oh, it's he, he he it's was boring. great. He was He's a great a very, hitter, very, like very, very natural. Blah 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 blah. And it's kind of like yeah. it's kind of in the weeds a little bit. It, it it almost is literally inside baseball. And I think there's an element of there are certain actors, there are certain writers. I'm sure you know some Cody that are just like they're writers, writers. They're actors, actors. Mm-hmm. Like they're comedians, comedians. Mm-hmm. A guy that comes to mind for me is like yeah. Greg Giraldo, who had no mainstream success. But if you talk to anybody about Greg Giraldo, they'll say he's like the funniest guy I ever knew. He had no mainstream mm-hmm. success though, and I yeah. think that I Miguel Cabrera you know, is a hitter's hitter, a, ball, a hitter's hitter, yeah. a ball player's ball player. Like I think it, and even though like he hits the 500 home runs, no one really thought of him as. A home run guy, obviously, we've talked about that. And I, I think it was just like he was just so appreciated in the game. That's where his that's where people look at him the proper way, but it just didn't resonate outwardly for some reasons that I think that you said are fair too. But there wasn't and the lack of championship success, I could argue maybe Albert Pujols would have a little bit of the same problem if they didn't win those couple World Series, right? Uh so so yeah, that that's just we could talk about this all day, but I think it is a very interesting discussion there. I, I did have a couple observations, Cody. See if you caught this too. 
when he was saying goodbye to, I don't want to say saying goodbye, but dapping up everybody on the field after the ground ball and, and all that stuff, there were a couple things. He had, you know, a little high-five hug with basically everybody, but there were two people mm-hmm. that there were bigger, more gesturally hugs. Riley Green and Spencer Torkelson. Go look, go watch that video. Go watch that video again. That's not just a, hey, thank you. It's a, and obviously I have no idea what they said, but it did literally seem like a little bit of a passing the torch thing, even with the glove handoff uh, to Torque there as well. Uh, Miguel, the baseball player's baseball player, he also knows good ball players when he sees them. And I think that that was also him sort of, whether they knew it or not, whether we, maybe I'm reading into something that doesn't exist, but that felt to me like a, hey, you're next. Like if he says something to the effect of, hey, you're next, wouldn't be shocked at all. So uh, we'll go back and watch yeah. that video. Because I'm telling you, it's a little, it's a little bit more than everybody else. And as a, uh, as a Tigers fan, I, I definitely appreciate that. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the one thing, like, I do, I guess, want to kind of end on, like, sure, I've probably said some things that have, like, pissed people off throughout the course of this discussion, but I, I do, I love what Scott Harris said um, this week. He said that was Mickey at his best, that was AJ at his best, that was the city at its best. It really was. It was very cool to be a part of. I do feel honored. Another AJ Hinch, man. He orchestrated a lot of that. Had the kids come out on the field, had Miguel run out on the field by himself, like, Kind of an underrated ability he has in those big moments that that not every manager would be able to um, conjure that level of appreciation. Uh, that was all really, really well done and made. Want to also shout out the Guardians organization for how they handle everything too. Want to shout out Tito Francona slash Terry Francona, depending on what era of baseball cards you look at, uh, mm-hmm. for rap. I guess. Basically wrapping up his managerial career, uh, I guess never. He's kind of said never say never, but what an amazing guy! Uh, look, he's a lot higher than you think too on the old time managerial wins list. I looked that up earlier today, and I would I would guess he's pretty high. Uh, he's, he? a, ahead, like he's just ahead. He's just ahead of Casey Stengel. I think it's like eight nine or whatever. More than Casey um, Stengel, okay? Because yeah, so he's he's up there. He's obviously earned every every. No, great manager, that great manager. Love come his way. Coming. And I wanted yeah. to end on this note with the Miguel Cabrera thing, then we'll move on. I, because I, as I've said, I work in sports memorabilia, so I, you know, see a lot of stuff. He signed Torque's glove. I don't know if Torque asked for this or not, but he signed Torque's glove like, like he was just in line, like with his sponsored, you know, professional contract obligated, like signatures, because he included all his accolades. Which uh, which I thought mm. was hilarious. I don't know if he, I don't know if Tor- I doubt Torque <laughs> asked him to put 500 home runs on the glove. You know. Yeah. No, I had the same thought. Torque showed us the glove. He's like, yeah, he signed it, and it's, not only was it an autograph, the whole yeah. glove was just covered like, in uh, Miguel's not career. Only, I mean, th- that glove is priceless. But I'm telling you, for those signatures and those inscriptions, that's probably $500 at least at a trade show. Just so, just, just so maybe, yeah. maybe Torque wow. got to insure that. Uh, just. Uh, just a little free advice for Special Torgelson, friend of the podcast. Well, after a, a long day Sunday, I'll say a long weekend. Long weekend in the sense that just a lot going on, not in terms of you know graveling or anything like that. But a long weekend, long Sunday. 
we have kind of the exit interview for Scott Harris and AJ Hinch. So we literally kind of close a chapter on a whole era of Detroit Tigers baseball, and now it's look forward time. And I got to tell you, Cody, uh, my observations, reading your story, watching some video, I was pretty intrigued by the mood. Now, there are three words that kind of that kind of stood out to me that as a, that as my observation. Excitement, comfort, stability, and I'll add a fourth opportunity. And I think all these are kind of related like the water cycle. Like I'm not sure which one they like, I don't know which one is leads to what or whatever, but it seemed to me from Scott Harris and AJ Hinch, those things kind of stood out. They're coming off a year that had a 12-win increase, a second-place finish. Things that sound cool don't mean that much, but they sound cool. Had the same record as the Red Sox, which is kind of funny, I thought, to uh, to look at. Only a couple games behind the Yankees. Uh, so, you know, does it worth anything? Probably not, but that was interesting. Uh, we can dive into those elements here in a second, but your observation from, from hearing from Scott and AJ and uh, and them kind of affirming a sense of direction that I don't think this organization has had in a bit. Yeah, it was it was really interesting. Uh, I mean, the main takeaway is they seem fired up, man. They seem they seem excited. I wrote AJ seems you know as encouraged by the direction of this franchise as as I've seen him. Scott Harris, you know he. Talk about comfort, man. I, I'll give Scott some credit. He seems to me just like publicly, privately, I think he's settling into the job. And we, we talked about that throughout the course of this year. Like it's going to take some time to feel comfortable, to feel confident. Um, I think the public facing uh, nature of the job, he's, he's, he's better behind the mic. He's better with the media. You know, internally, man, he's got, he's got a lot of successes uh, to tout. So, I mean, that was the mood. So I, I think, I, I guess my, the big question around all this is like, how valid is it? Cause that was also the mood after 2021. And I'll, I'll be honest. I, I was more hopeful about the Tigers after 2021 because you had Torque and Green about to make their debuts and you were going to spend. And we all know how that turned out. It was a freaking disaster. The 2022 season was a disaster. And now I'm like, all right, well, you have a lot of young talent. I think the overall health of the organization is in a better spot. How good are the Tigers going to be in 2024? Like, I don't really know. Uh, they'll be hopefully better, but like, I think they're a long, long, long way from being like World Series contenders. So um, that's just important perspective, I think, to keep in mind as we as we kind of move forward throughout this offseason. Yeah. So comfort, I think. I think AJ feels more comfortable with. Uh, yeah, don't take this much to figure out, but go look at the 2021 roster when uh, AJ took over, and even just think about the world in 2021, like just how uneasy a lot of things were. You know, uh, COVID, politics, all that stuff. Although you know, politics is never uneasy, right? Uh, but, but. I just feel like he's. I feel like he's found a little bit more of like he talked about like the guys know what to expect from me a little bit more, and I think 
every year there's a little bit more of that, so I don't want to dismiss it. Again, how much is it worth? I don't know, but I feel like that's a real element in terms of him knowing how to to push his players and to and, and pick his spots with them and all that stuff. There's been some pretty good stability among the coaching staff, which by one hand is good. I'm a, generally speaking a good big fan of stability, but at the same time, it's like it's not like you're winning a lot of games. Like you know, if you want to upgrade some spots, you know, there's you know no no harm in that. And I think he feels like he has a little bit of an intellectual partner in Scott Harris. I think that's probably the number one takeaway I had is that these guys kind of feel like I don't. I I don't ever feel like either one of them talks down to one another, and I I have no idea. Which is an interesting like dynamic in itself, right? Like I do like it seems to be a really good partnership. Uh, it does make you wonder, like, all right, like what, you know, what happens if things go south? You know, is is at one some point Scott has to step up and like be the boss, you know? But I guess the goal is you don't get there. The goal is there's a wonderful. Well, I think they both respect and, each other's power and influence. Uh, that that's a really good way to put it. Yeah, I I certainly get that. And get that I, and I mm-hmm. and I bet AJ is real appreciative of like the infrastructure elements that Scott Harris is 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 putting yeah. out there. And I think he one year later he has to have a better idea of Scott's vision too. Again, these are all like the comfort things that yeah. still feel good. The conflict isn't necessarily there yet if it ever comes, which it will come because that's just the nature of the business. That's, that's, that's for the nature it's of the business, yeah. but I do feel like they. Um, I want to focus on opportunity for a second because it ties into what we spent the first half yeah. of the podcast on. Opportunity, like we talked about a couple weeks ago, AJ Hinch, he's got a whole array of possibilities to fill out with that lineup card now, because you know Miguel Cabrera doesn't have to occupy a DH spot every so many days, you know, and. That's a game changer. That's the one, like the flip side of that. Like, yes, and and I think there. It's big. I think there, as much as we gravel, like we being like some of the media and we being you know the fan base, kind of grovel that like why isn't Cole Keith up? Why isn't Malloy up? You know, I thought Scott Harris did a really good job of conveying, hey, just because they weren't up in the majors doesn't mean we're not gung ho about these guys. Like, the enthusiasm definitely came across. And, of course, there's going to be some rude awakenings for... They're not all going to hit. You know, there's going to be rude awakenings for each of them in some fashion. That's the nature of it. But in terms of how it compares to 2021, even if you're not going to quote-unquote spend, uh, I think we all pretty feel pretty confident about Riley Green's ability, health pending. And I think we are... I mean, no, not think. I know we are as sure about Spencer Torkelson as we've been in his career. Just like, okay, at least there's, we don't have to use the B word anymore. You know, at least there's, there's a, there's a foundation to build on. There's excitement for what he can be. There's obviously still the concerns, but at least, you know, he's a major league. Yeah. Just, just don't, don't bring up his war. (laughs) Don't don't bring up the war. Uh, But you know, 30 home runs, 90 RBIs, first third person this century, Uh, uh, homegrown guy to do it. Like all this stuff is reasons to feel enthused. Reasons to feel enthused. And when you haven't made the playoffs in way too many years to mention, that that's valuable that's valuable real estate for Scott Harris and AJ Hinch to to occupy at the moment, is all I'm saying. Yeah, there's there's no doubt about that. Um man, 
there's there's so many like threads avenues we can we can go down from there one point i want to make real quick like every now and then you still get someone chirping that like oh aj's gonna leave for the first like big market job that comes open or whatever well that's like not happening and i think it's important to remember like one i've never gotten that vibe from aj i've gotten the vibe like this is a dude who's pretty intent on like he, he he took this Tigers job for a reason. I don't think he's one to just like bail on it uh, when times get tough or whatever. And two, like this guy was integral in the process of hiring Scott Harris. He got a lot of his wishes when Harris was hired. As someone someone put it to me last year, um, you know, it's like we just got the keys to this car. Now we get to drive it. You know, they're still in the early stages of driving this thing. So I think that's an important note. Um, we, we have all off season to talk about Torque. I'm not even going to go there. Great year, very encouraging year for Torque. A lot of things he still has to improve on to be to be legit. But right, the trajectory it's good, and that's that's huge for the yeah. franchise. And again, in terms of the valuable real estate to feel nice about, you're you've never felt better about Jackson Joe. You've never felt Jake you've Rogers never felt better about Jake Rogers. You've never felt better about Jace Young. I mean, I I I, I gotta admit, Absolutely. I didn't know if we'd be here. What does it mean right now? Nothing. But it but it but it it is part of, like the depth in the system I think is a little underrated in terms of how much we talk about it. Uh it's not great. But there's more guy there's more yeah, I don't know about depth. There's more guys there than I think we give it credit for. Like guys that you at least you're kinda like, all right, this could happen for him. Like there, there was a sure. when Torque and Green came up, you know, some dire straits there for a little bit in terms of people that you yeah. were like, kind of like, all right, let me check the tire minor league report guys, see what they're saying about you know this person or whatever. And again, that stuff's valuable. Not all that Scott Harris is doing, but their improvements you have to give credit for because of the infrastructure that he is continuing to lay in place. So, I think, like I said, comfort opportunities, like he's. Both these guys see a lot of possibilities in the future for the team that they're in charge of. So, uh, all right. So let's let's talk about this offseason. Let's let's spin it forward. What do you what do you want to see the Tigers do this offseason, Kira? What do I want out of this offseason? Well, obviously to sign Shohei Itani and take advantage of the market and the fact that he's you know going through a surgical procedure that's going to ding his value by about ten million dollars. So you save that right there. No, that's not what I want. What 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 I'm looking for. It's boring, bro. It's boring. What I'm looking for is keeping your franchise flexibility moving forward, which is something that, you know, Scott Harris has, I don't say worked hard to, but he's definitely made several moves to keep that in vogue. And I like that. I I, I think you want payer, players to get paid, just generally speaking. You want you know guys to make as much money as possible, but you also don't want your franchise beholden the to bad contracts so what do we talk about the first part of this uh podcast you don't want anything holding the franchise back from being able to make the moves necessary when the time comes so you know i would if you're gonna spend some money i would put it in shorter even bigger contracts in pitching starting pitching i liked what scott harris said that's like i don't want to make any moves that's going to hinder development uh, what do I want from them this offseason? I want them to be on the players' asses to do the training program that is going to enhance their ability to make an impact in the major leagues for the next three to seven years, you know, depending on the guy. 
I mean, that stuff's more important to me than, you know, signing whatever the next Michael Lorenzen is, which, by the way, is important and is, is going to be part of the job. I don't want to be, I don't want to double down on a loss with the Eduardo Rodriguez situation. I don't want it by signing him to some four-year contract or whatever when that if you get out of it you get out of it if he wants to move on he can move on and that just gives you more flexibility I'm a big fan of franchise flexibility in really all sports and I think baseball in in a way with the Tigers where I don't think I don't consider Illich like a cheap owner but I do believe that he will pick and choose when the time is right to give out those big contracts, I don't think he's going to be as liberal as uh, Mr. I was toward the end. Which, by the way, this whole weekend is exactly what Mr. I had in mind. So, you know, in terms of mission accomplished, I guess, you know, mission accomplished there. But uh, that, that's what I'm looking forward to. I'm looking forward to more smart moves, more buy low on assets in order to enhance their value and, and to help your team in a variety of ways. I don't think the big move is here right now i don't think the big move that puts you over the top i don't know if it's even necessary i'd rather find you talked about what's next season gonna be like i hope it's intriguing that's that that's the season i i, I want is intriguing like where's torque go you know riley green where does he go slash health casey mize Tarek scoobal all these guys for a variety of reasons really intriguing colt keith jay hen when's jay's coming up what's jackson look like I'm looking for an intriguing year, and that's really the focus of the franchise. I, I was texting with uh, with a Tigers friend actually today, and you know he's like, "Oh, do you think you know all that money off the books now? You think they're gonna do something?" I was like, "Nah, man. I just don't think that Scott's mo right now. He, in some ways, made that clear by taking Max Clark over a near finished product in Wyatt Lamford in the draft, and he's said as much that he's just." doesn't believe in building that way i i assume that's a core principle of his regardless of what market he would be in i don't think he would want to do that and it's important i i do agree with him like there's a lot like we celebrated a couple of years ago the you know the infamous offseason Baez and rodriguez and the record-breaking contracts and and all that stuff we celebrated that as baseball in general we celebrated that it was great the owners are opening up the books it's been a problem historically in this game but there's a lot of where open up the books goes wrong around baseball right now. And there's a lot of, hey, it's kind of fun when these young players hit. I just I was just watching uh, the Brewers Diamondbacks preparing for this podcast. And you know what I did, Cody? This is what I want for the Tigers. This is what I want. I was I had the game on mute because I'm reading stuff. I'm kind of taking in my thoughts, what I want to say on this podcast, you know. And I look up at the screen. And Corbin Carroll is at bat. I stop what I'm doing. I unmute the TV. And this guy takes a change up into the middle deck in right center field two pitches later. That's what I want the Tigers to have. I want guys that grab attention. I want young, exciting players. Now, that's obviously a really high bar for Carroll specifically. But guess who's on the bench high-fiving him when he gets to the dugout? Jordan Lawler. I, <laughs> I want young, exciting players. And, you know, the Juan Soto conversation is going to dominate baseball. The Otani conversation is going to dominate baseball. Uh, 
but I, I I am willing to wait to see a team grow, and I don't want that to be affected by getting hasty because you have the long playoff drought streak. There's a time to be more aggressive. I just right. don't think that is at, as at this time. Yeah, I really don't want to feel like I'm drinking the Kool-Aid, but I'm, you know, the outlook Scott laid, and you can you can go read about it, is pretty much like we're going to invest in young players. We don't want anyone blocked. It was, without saying it, basically, yeah, we're not going to sign anyone to any huge deals this offseason. And the majority of people out there don't like to hear it. I generally am a proponent that teams should try and teams should spend. Uh, but, man, I've said it before, like, this free agent class is the worst in my memory outside of Otani. Like, someone tell me who you want to sign, because I'm looking at this list of guys, and I don't really want any of them. The one guy who, who could help you is Matt Chapman, and because he's the only guy, position player not named Otani, and I guess Cody Bellinger, who is kind of risky, uh, he's probably going to get overpaid. And then you have like some aging hitters and you have some guys who just aren't that good. Uh, it's, it's a good class for starting pitching. I think yeah, I'll be interested to see. I think the Tigers feel pretty good about their young pitching guys like uh, Reese Olsen. Like they're probably going to want to give them opportunity. I'd like to see them keep a veteran starter. I don't think it has to be Eduardo Rodriguez. I almost wonder or think they'd be better off if it's not Eduardo Rodriguez but you got a list of guys, Aaron Nola, Blake Snell, Lucas Giolito, Sonny Gray, Marcus Stroman has an opt-out, Jordan Montgomery, I watched him pitch today, Jack Flaherty, like, I, I hope they end up with one of those guys. A bullpen acquisition, that doesn't get talked about as, a lot, but like, I don't I don't think they're going to sign Josh Hader, but like, if you spent a little bit on the bullpen, get that one or two more guys to take you from a pretty good bullpen to a potentially dominant bullpen, I think that could be a good use of money then it wouldn't have to be terribly expensive. So I think there are ways that uh, I, I guess I hope they spend a little bit, but for anyone who wants that magic upgrade, like I just don't think it's there. And it, maybe if you're that team that's one piece away, if you're the Seattle Mariners, all right, F it, we're going to double down. We're going to go all in on Otani. That makes some sense. I don't think – that sort of contract makes a lot of sense for the Tigers right now. And again, let's look ahead one more year, 24-25 free agents. Paul Goldschmidt, Pete Alonzo, Jose Altuve, Glaber Torres, Alex Bregman, Eugenio Suarez as a club option, Willie Adamas, Tim Anderson, Juan Soto, Alex Verdugo, Michael Conforto, uh, Garrett Cole has an opt-out, Max Scherzer, Corbin Burns, Zach Wheeler, it's a, Max Freed, Shane Bieber, Walker Bueller. It's a way better class. Tyler Glass, no. It's a way better class. If things go well for the Tigers next year, they might have the chance. They will have the pay, payroll flexibility to do some damage next offseason, and I, I think that's probably, like, I think that's undoubtedly the better long-term plan. And the smart front offices are doing that. Like the smart front offices are looking and at free agency yeah, classes yeah, ahead, right, and right. and and so like that's all like part of the greater plan. Now, it's not sexy to say, you know, coming off of another below five hundred season, but that's the reality of the situation. And the worst thing you could do is make yourself unable, unable to go after some of those guys next year. And and again. You're going to get more clarity next year 
at what your holes are really to take that next step. I don't I, I think you got some more clarity this year. You're gonna get even more clarity next year and figure out which one of those position players you might want to go after. Mm-hmm. You know? Like right. and, and that I think and, I think that's important. And and so again, intriguing team. I think this has the makings of an intriguing team this this next year. It could be fun. I don't think they're gonna win the World Series. They could they could win 86 games and win the AL Central if, like, the Twins stay pretty mid and the Guardians don't try. So that, I mean, in, in some ways, it could be a great year. It's going to be young. You're going to have some hitters. It's also a lot of pressure on young hitters to carry that load. And um, energy. I think energy is another good word yeah. that I'm looking forward yeah. to because, you know, the past couple of years, respect the veterans and all that stuff, but was there, like, energy with Scope? Was there energy... Like with even like a Robbie Grossman, we we kind of ran out of the energy for the Castros and the Victor Reyes of the world, and you know he had himself a nice year. But the Jamer Candelarios of the world, we had run out of the energy for those guys. Yeah. We got some energy now, you know, like that 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 gets me to a television set. So I will tell you the one thing I fear in all this. Have you ever heard of the San Francisco Giants? Uh, yeah, relatively familiar with them. They're in San Francisco, right? They, they, they play in San Francisco. They were once located in New York, but uh, that's besides the point. They just fired their manager two years after 107 win season. They were getting panned for being boring, and their roster was really boring and not very good this year, and they, uh, they were meh. They didn't build on 107 wins because they, uh, a lot of Scott Harris philosophies, a lot of, uh, platooning and waiver claims and and look they had success with it and it kind of only could get them so far um and so i i just hope the tigers are able to balance look i hope they make a couple more get another tyler holt and get another andy abanez be smart be creative while you're still in this mode where you don't have star players use the platoons use the pinch hitting it, it, it that made it fun if you're a baseball you're actually into the intricacies of the game like it, it, it's really fun to follow in game uh but i wouldn't base your identity solely solely around that and that is the one thing like i hope scott harris is looking at what just happened in san francisco and like making a couple notes like all right we, we don't want that to be our sole path here uh you can be something between the giants or the rays and the texas rangers and and i think that's probably the best lane to take is whatever whatever is in between there. I'm curious. I mean, this is obviously not something we're ever going to get from him, but I'm curious how the self evals will go from him and the, and, the, and the front office as a whole and how they handled certain situations. And then the eval of the team itself and like their actions will speak louder on how, you know, do they add a guy that more or less takes, makes Spencer Turnbull, getting the job harder so i actually wanted to we got a little bit of an update on the Spencer turnbull situation it's really I, interesting I, I i thought it was interesting why don't you just take it away there because scott uh i thought he was a little bit more firm in his conviction about about the situation than he had during the season i thought it was his most clear unequivocal answer of his whole press conference he was asked like what's what's up with spencer turnbull and he said we're gonna meet with him and we expect him to show up in lakeland and be ready to pitch it was like it it seemed to me to say no we're not non-tendering him 
And it seemed like a little message to Turnbull of like, dude, you need to show up. But at the same time, like, dude, we also still believe in you. So there, there's some like reparations, like th- this relationship is going to have to be repaired. But it sounds like when Scott Harris is in, he's, he's willing to try. Um, I'm trying to think like that be some sort of like leverage tactic. And I'm like, no, here's probably what it comes down to. And here's what I think. Do you want to risk losing Spencer Turnbull to the Rays for free? I don't. Hell no. You can bring him in in spring. And if he doesn't show up or he doesn't want to pitch or he's hurt, you know, you you can just eat it then. But I think you got to give this thing a try. And I think that does mean a, a sit down heart to heart. Maybe you admit you're wrong in a couple situations. Conversation with Spencer Turnbull. Spencer Turnbull, for the good of his own career. I know he's not happy in Detroit. I know he feels wronged. Uh, The guy has to pitch if he wants to continue to be a Major League Baseball player and and make money. And that opportunity, it sounds like, is going to be there for him. Yeah, so if he sucked, we wouldn't be having this conversation, is the bottom line. And I think you know, leverage maybe isn't the wrong, isn't quite the right word, but I think the onus, the onus is on Turnbull at this point, I think, because I don't want to diminish like injuries and then, you know, the, all the weird stuff with the IL the neck strain and cracked toenail. And like, I don't want to diminish any of that. Uh, but safe to say, like, that's not really like, was that like a productive use of a couple months for his career? I would probably say no. So, I'm 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 very curious to see how that plays out, and we have a lot of uh, a lot of stuff that we can get into various offseason topics. I don't really want to step on the toes of, uh, but I did want to get to this, Cody, as as we kind of wrap up here. A little bit of a shorter pod, but like I said, I don't want to I don't want to be too repetitive in the offseason. Big news today: Shep is out as the Bally Sports slash just generally TV play-by-play voice of the Tigers and a lot of rejoicing on Tigers Twitter I'm not one to dance on somebody's grave I won't claim to, to say that like I was his biggest fan he felt to me like this wasn't his natural broadcast uh, lane he definitely I mean I, I thought he definitely tried I thought he as someone who appreciate, I, I appreciate a local guy getting to do the job who understands like the the volume and the gravity of the position and the team and its place in the city and history and like all these things. I appreciated that. Uh, I just thought it wasn't a great fit, but I also want to be fair here. It's not like he was given a lot to work with. I think that. The on-field product at times was, we all watched those games. Cody, you had to write about these games. It wasn't always the greatest thing. And what are you supposed to talk about when it's 8-3 to three again in the eighth inning, you know, and you're dealing with players that you know aren't, like, going to be major leaguers that long, but you want to be respectful to the position, the game, the team, your employer, like, all these things. Uh I he also he also replaced a very popular broadcaster who left abruptly. So it's like all these things that kind of played into it. 
but it is still major news. I, I wish him the best in whatever his next uh, venture is. I'm not going to list names of uh, who could take over this or that'd be a waste of time. It's probably a lot of people that none of us have ever heard of. Uh, but it's just another, it's like another, even though they're not directly related, I don't think it's just like another change from the previous era that just kind of coincides with like no more Miguel Cabrera and no more Alavila And you know, like, it's like, it's, it's like an, another part of the new chapter of the Troy Tigers baseball. Uh, but it, it, it was a little sudden and I was like, Hey man, what's going on with this? And you had a, you had a pretty, uh, pretty funny <laughs> response to it. I thought when I texted you, <laughs> Yeah, oh, yeah, it was just like this is the one millionth example of me like knowing something and just not being able to get that like final conversation. I knew this was coming down since Sunday and like just felt, you know, I, I I tell my girlfriend this like you can't report something when you're 99% sure. It has to be 100. You cannot be wrong. And so is it's everything like the past 2 years. Any listeners out there were just want to like, you know, Give me a second confirmation on things like that. Like that'd be cool if you got some insider knowledge. Anyway, I knew this was coming down. Um, it wasn't the first to put it out, but was able to confirm it. Um, like on a on a personal level, here's what I will say about Matt Shepard. You could tell this guy enjoyed his job. You could tell he he cared about it. He worked hard. Never was there a day where I was like, oh, Shep's really mailing it in today. You know, he had his questions, he had his notebook, he was talking to people, he was, he was prepared. The reality is he was not a popular broadcaster. It never really quite felt natural. It wasn't an entertaining broadcast to watch. Um, so I hope whatever's next for Matt Shepard, he lands on his feet, finds something else he enjoys. And I also think Tigers fans, you know, the team's going to be better. They're, they're probably deserving of a better all-around broadcast too. That's not just Shep. That's probably on everyone involved with that broadcast. Um, it's one of those things where it, it just sucks, and I'd never want to see anyone lose their job. But like, it's also a reality change. Change was needed, and that is why change is happening. Uh, yeah, and you know, I'll give credit to Lynn Henning on Twitter. He said, you know, the person who takes over the job is going to be the beneficiary of just a flat-out more intriguing team and potentially, you know, a, a more successful team, a team that's going to be playing meaningful games late into the year, you know? And obviously, Shep has nothing to do with that. But he he, he came into, like, just a... He, just, he came into a bad time. He was probably the wrong person at the wrong time. And like I, like I said, I appreciate all those things that you said about him because that's important too. Like it's sometimes people get lost and don't think about the work that goes into some of this yeah. stuff. And, and I certainly appreciate it. And like I said, I hope he kind of lands on his feet. Is there, this is, I didn't even prep you for this one. It's just really random question off the top of my head. Is there any like talk of kind of going indie like some of these other franchises have done? Like, uh, like the the Bally situation's weird, right? Oh Maybe. yeah, I I actually have no tangible insight on that other than to say like the whole landscape of MLB broadcasting is probably going to be different within two to three years tops, yeah. like maybe sooner. So I don't know if that means Tigers go in. I mean, it, like the Illiches had like supposedly thrown that idea around and then decided not to do it. 
I think it's going to be like league controlled if I had to guess in a couple of years. So what exactly that looks like, I don't know. Am I going to just let that hanging curveball over the plate go about the Illiches planning to do something and then or throwing an idea around and okay, I'll I'll I'll, I'll, I'll move on. I'll I'll move on. <laughs> uh, all right, Cody. Uh, Fun discussion today. Anything else you want to get into? Like I said, I don't want to burn all of our topics for the offseason. We'll, I don't think we, we don't have a set schedule yet for the offseason, but we'll still keep doing pods, uh, obviously, because, hell, we enjoy doing them. There's a lot of fun things to talk about with this team right now. But anything else uh, we missed before we get out of here? Uh, no, I think that covers the big topics. I bet we'll have some more news, you know, coaching staff stuff and, and opt-out decisions coming up and, and so, you know, pods might not be every week. I don't know. We'll figure that out. But, like, th- there's going to be a lot to talk about. And there's a lot that, that we didn't dive into today. As, as Kieran said, we got all offseason to, to really dive into some topics. Um, overall, like, it, it was a fun year. So thanks for everyone who listened, who read, who subscribed. Um, there's some difficult times this year, but it's ending on a really positive note for the organization. I think I feel energized and encouraged uh, i hope you feel the same way kieran and and so just thanks everyone who once again is along for the ride maybe we'll even have some changes coming up uh to the pod we'll that we'll talk about a little bit more this off season as well yeah i do want to give it's not like a thank you goodbye but just like a thank you to everybody who listened throughout this year uh who stayed with us even when the team wasn't as interesting i i i you know, we try to really hard to make some interesting conversations to look at things a different way, and we will continue to do so. So again, it's not a goodbye thing, and we ended up having still pretty good numbers, I would think, for uh for like a non-contending team in the second half of the season. Uh, definitely had a lot more interactions on X, formerly known as Twitter. It was uh awesome for me to be at the uh at Comerica for the home opener and. And all that stuff. So I have fond memories of this season. I have fond memories of doing this pod this year. Uh, if you want to follow Cody's postseason coverage, I've never said this before, but if you're an athletic subscriber, you can search his name and then you can f- just follow him. So like he's writing stories and anything that he writes, you can do this for any writer. So James, Max, uh, Colton, like everybody, Brendan Quinn. I'm trying not to leave anybody out, but the, you know the whole. The whole shebang, like, you can follow them and anything they write, you can just click on their little profile, little little uh, headshot, and then uh, anything that they publish is right there. So if you want to follow Cody's postseason coverage, that's a way to do it. And to ensure you don't miss anything, subscribe to The Athletic just in general for all the great coverage. Thank you for subscribing, commenting, and uh, giving five-star review if you feel so inclined. Apple, Spotify, subscribing on YouTube. So... Thank you, everybody, for a great 2023 season. We will talk to you soon.